0: Good morning. Y'all ready for this week? Long pause. I gather we won't have a cold snap, so that may be the thing to prepare for first. Before we uh, get into our lesson this morning, let's let's pray together, please. Father, we. We are amazed by your love for each of us. How have you expressed that love to us through your Son? Father, we know we know we have gained so much because of your love. Because of all that was done through Jesus. So help us, Father, Help us to grow in our understanding of your love. Of all that we've received. And help us to live today, Father. Reflecting that. We know, Father, that in you we find the strength that we need. The hope for each day. And the joy in this moment. Help us, Father, to hold on to you more strongly, and to lift each other up with each day. Looking forward to that day that we'll be with you. First, through Jesus that we pray, amen. I am not sure where she lives, but um, there is a woman who talked about how she liked to prank her dad. Now, if this gives you all any idea, I wouldn't do this to anybody who's here because now they're going to know what's coming. Her father loved uh, Ferrero, Ferrero Rocher. Did I say that right? Fancy ones are chocolate. I don't eat them. But her father loved them. And so one year for Christmas, she got him a container full of Ferrero Rocher. But before she gave them to him, She took them out of the package, unwrapped them, and replaced each one with a Brussels sprout. Wrapped them all back up, put the container together, made sure to tape it together the way it ought to be. He got all excited, opened it up, because he could sit and eat one package all by himself. I mean, he would do it. When it was something for the whole family, he would eat the whole thing. Nobody ever got any. That year, he opened them up. He got all excited, unwrapped one, Brussels sprout. Tried another one, Brussels sprout. It was just like every one of them, and it just uh, broke his heart. She plays for the long game, though. The next year, she bought another container for everybody. He didn't trust them. She got to eat more than she'd ever had that year than any other year before that. The next year, this is the long game. She took some Brussels sprouts, dipped them in chocolate, rolled them in, uh, was the hazelnuts, whatever they put on these things. Did the same thing, wrapped them up, put them all back in the container. He got a hold of the container and was unsure about it and unwrapped one because he thought maybe this year he sees this ball with chocolate and nuts around it that look just like the regular thing, Popped the whole thing into his mouth. It came right back out. Uh, The thing about that is we look at those and you think, any of us, looking at what what was there, unwrapping it, everything like it should be, chocolate, the nuts, and your expectation is this is something that's going to be good, and it turned out to not be as advertised. I imagine this man was scarred for life. I mean, there's no way you come back from that. There are things for us when we talk about who we are and what God has done in our life and who, what happens after that, that, that the label that we've been given, which is much more than a label, what is it that comes out of it? Now, there are some terms, maybe we ought to start here. Maybe there are some terms we kind of expect this is what this is all about. I like, like the word holy. When y'all hear the word holy, what do you think of? My first thought was Exodus, Exodus chapter 3 because Moses, tending sheep, he sees this bush that's on fire that's not burning up. He's like, What is that? And he goes to check it out and he's told, God says, Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. I, I was thinking a while ago and I thought, you know, I needed to include Isaiah 6. Because there, Isaiah finds himself with seeing the throne of God and all the angels declaring holy, holy, holy. And he, he in response goes, I am, I'm a man of unclean lips who lives among a people of unclean lips. I'm a sinful man. There's a response that comes out of the idea of holiness that we know that when we think the word holy... That this is something that is not ordinary. This is not something that is common. That holy means something that is beyond all of that. That is something exceptional. Something that should elicit awe out of one's heart. Because it is something beyond us. Now the thing about the word holy is that when we think about holy, do we think about ourselves. And there's where we might miss what God has in mind for us. I I wish I could have loaded up the video on this so you all have to look because I know there's three or four of them that I just off the top of my head that are there. Of teachers who put together a box with a mirror on the bottom of it and then they have told their students in their class, a picture of my favorite student is inside that box. And as you watch these kids come up and look in the box, the expression they have when they see themselves in that box is so precious. Uh, it makes you wonder, what were they expecting to see? What, what do they have in mind before they got there? And, and the whole class is beaming at the end of it because in, in their minds, when they're looking at all this, they're, uh, you know, are they hoping it's them and maybe thinking it's somebody else or what would it be? And then when they look in and they see that it's a reflection of them, it just meant something more to them. And I think when we think about the word holy, we think about God and who He is, but the reality is that we are holy. In Christ, we are holy. He has made us holy. So when we think about the term holy, that describes us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. It says, By that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He has made you holy. You are not ordinary any longer. You are not common. You are holy. Colossians 1.22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. You are holy in Christ. So whatever you have pictured in your mind about the word holy, he says, this is you. You are holy. When we we talk about standing, I, I, I thought uh, the song's saying had picked. I thought, I don't know if he looked at my slides before he picked those songs, but they, they were perfect. The idea of standing on holy ground, the idea of, of all the holiness it is, because in, in reality, wherever we are, God says, you are holy. You are on holy ground because of what God has done in you through Jesus Christ. And that picture of holiness is that maybe the awe that we ought to feel when we think about that we are holy is the awe of realizing what God has done in us. And taking us where we were and bringing us where we are in Jesus Christ. So what's the expectation? What happens when you are holy? Because you are a holy people, what's expected? What, what do we, should we see when we take off that wrapping and the idea of saying you are holy? What's a reflection of that? In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3, it says, Among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for who? God's holy people. So part of holiness is the idea of taking away anything that doesn't belong, that's impure, that doesn't belong in the presence of God, because we are a holy ground. First Thessalonians 4 7, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. He says there's a change that takes place that this isn't who we are anymore. When we're holy, we live holy lives, that we take out what doesn't belong, and we, we draw closer to God. That anything that, that is in us belongs to God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen 19-20, and talking about sexual morality, says, Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That idea that we are holy ground changes how we live our lives. And it means we take out what doesn't belong. We take out those impurities. And what we add to our lives is, is living as holy people. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship holy and pleasing to God, that we give our whole lives to God in every way, that we are saying that in holiness that we are His fully and completely. And some of that is seen when we are fully God's. What, what kind of people do we become? It says as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Have you, have you all ever thought about those characteristics as, as a reflection of being holy? Sometimes when we think about holiness, we think about not being involved in those things that are impure, which is true. But he says, when we're holy, the people we become are people who have compassion, who are kind, humble, gentle, patient. That becomes a reflection of who we are. 2 Peter 3.11 Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. When we're, when, as we live in this world, he says, we live in, is, as God's people, fully and completely of who we are. Well, let me give you another term. Holy is a term that maybe is more common for us to think about when we think about who we are as God's people. Uh, you know, we have expectations of what we ought to see. When you walk into this restaurant, with all the trinkly lights and all these nice tables and all these waiters and And everything going on. What kind of food do you expect? And how much do you expect to pay when you get done? That that means it's a special night, doesn't it? What about if you walked into this place? Are your expectations different? Ought to be. There's probably some guy back there with an apron on, this white that's got, you know, like the last three days worth of food covering the front of the apron. Or if he's been there long enough, maybe the last ten years. But you know it's going to be good, don't you? But it's not the same as the other restaurant. The food there is good as well. But you know this food is something different than that. And because we see the difference in these two restaurants, we know this is, this is what we expect when we walk in. To get this kind of food, we expect the service to be done this way. We just, we just know. We don't, we're not surprised when we come into this and we're not treated like the other restaurant. We don't expect to be treated that same way. Well, for us we have been given a label that we are added to and joined together as one body in Christ. One body. And because we are one body with all the other believers, that we live as part of that one body, that we care for that one body. So let me see. First, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he, he tells us we've been put into this one body. Just as the body, the one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. Did y'all catch that? That when we are in Christ, we are joined together. In a sense, as as one family, as one body, that we are brought together and, and put into this relationship with each other in Christ. That it's not just us individually, but we are a group in Christ. And because we're joined in that relationship... It says, Where the Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. That all of us are brought together into this one body. Now when we think about being one body, what does that mean for us practically? We know on, on the surface, we know we talk about that. We are one body in Christ. The church is his body. And we're all joined into it together in Christ. So what does that mean for us practically? How does that live out? And so when we think about, I think holy sometimes is easier for us to grasp practically because we think about impurity and, and those things that, and, and striving to be holy as we live our lives. But as one body, there are two things I think that we're talked to about. Romans chapter 12, verses 46. Because we're one body, what does that mean for us? It says, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now he talks about that idea that we're one body, we've been joined into it, but it also talks about how, and as part of that one body, each of us has a place in that body, a role in that body. That every one of us, As we're joined together means we belong together and we have something that God has given us to do in this world as his body. And each of us has a part in that. We have a role in that. And we're all different. In 1 Corinthians 12, he makes the contrast in saying, you know, just because you're not not an eye, if you can say, well, I'm not this, so I don't belong. He says, No. You still belong. You, it doesn't mean we're all the same. It means we're all different. And because we're all different, we're all given a place in this body to serve. We're all given a place in this body to make a difference in this world. And he takes each one of us with what we're able to do, where we are, to, and uses us to make a difference for his kingdom. And, and the struggle with that is sometimes we'll tell ourselves, well, I can't. I can't stand in front of a bunch of people and talk. That doesn't mean you don't have a place. It just means your place is different. Well, I, I can't, you know, get out and, and talk. Well, let's not talk about what we can't do. The idea is to look at it and say, what is it that God has given me? What are my abilities where I am right now in my life that I can make a difference for his kingdom? Which means every person, no matter where we are, whether those, those that may be living at the, the nursing home are shut in because they can't get out, doesn't mean they're, they're not useful anymore, that they're useless. It means that they have a place now that God has said there is something they can do in Christ. Some of the most precious prayers come from those folks. And so we have to remember that every one of us, as part of this body, have been given a place in this body where we are needed and make a difference. For, back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Every one of us has a place, and every one of us is different. It means that we have a place that we serve within this body. Another part. Another aspect of uh, being one body isn't just that we have a place in this body that we can serve. It also changes how we look at each other and how we treat each other. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, be thankful. Since it's that we are all joined together as one body, so we, we now live our lives in a way that reflects that we have that connection. <clears throat> Philippians 2.2, 2, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And that idea that we are one in Christ, and so because of that we are to behave as being connected to each other in Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, chapter 2, chapter 4, verse 2, down to 6. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So all these, the idea of being humble and gentle with each other, being patient, bearing with one another in love, keeping the unity of the Spirit is all based upon the idea that there is one body, that there is one. We are joined together in this body, and that means we treat each other different. Down in verse 25, he says, Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say you need to be truthful with each other because it's the right thing to do, which it is. He says, be truthful to each other. Don't lie to each other because we are all members of one body. We have this relationship with each other and that's we love each other enough to be honest with each other. We love each other to be able to talk to each other about whatever goes on because of our relationship together in Christ. We are one body. And so we live as that one body. Y'all... Beth and I have only bought one new car in our life. We wish we hadn't after we bought it, but, you know, it served us all right. But the rest of the time have been used cars, which means somebody else broke them in for us and took most of the uh, decline in value through the years. But when you buy a new car, what does a new car smell like? Y'all imagine that? Y'all have that? Scent. Can you imagine stepping into a used car and then it, and having it have that new car smell? Usually we're, we're spraying stuff to try to kill any odors in a used car, but to have it smell that way. You can do that because you can buy new car smell. But we know it doesn't make it new. Because when we talk about new, we know there's something different about it. We don't expect any dings or scratches. We don't expect things to, to not be working. When it's new, there's something more going on. I, I, I think that idea, when we think about who we are in Christ, that's a term that's used for us. That we are new. And because we're new, it means something's different in us. That we're growing and changing in all that we go on. So Second Corinthians five seventeen: If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You are new in Christ, is what he says. Romans chapter 6, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. In all of that, y'all catch the, the, the concept where he says, here's what's old, that's, that's put to death. Here's what's new. You are new in Christ. And because you're new, there's something that's, that's different about you. So when we think about that idea of new, what do we expect when we have something new come along? So Ephesians chapter 4, however, that is not the way of life you learned when you learn, heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth as in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, when you're new, there's something that changes. When you're new, you're not what you used to be. You're, you're something new now. You're not who you used to be. You're not, you're not the same person. And so because of that, we know being new, there are some things that change. We don't do this anymore, he says. Colossians chapter 3 Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. He says, those are part of our old life. We don't do that anymore. Is it interesting? Colossians, he says, the reason we don't lie to each other is because we've taken off that old self. We don't do that anymore. That's our past life. We we have a new life. In the new life, he says, as God's chosen people, holy and clearly, dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He says, here's who we used to be. Here's who we are now. You are new. You're not that person anymore. In Christ, we have a past that we look back on and say, that's who I used to be. That's not who I am now. And, and, and part of that is we have to keep in mind is the thing about new is for us, new doesn't mean it's automatically, we no, we, it's, it's a, no, it's not instantaneous. There's a word I'm looking for. Because when you think about it, have y'all ever struggled with any of that old stuff? That old life? I have. And I'm becoming the new. And that's part of when we talk about new is it's something that's a process. So in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, so when we're new, we want to change. So like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He says we want to grow. We want to change. And we've drawn to those things that help us. In Ephesians 4, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Y'all catch it? To be made new. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's the process that that we're being made new in all of this. Colossians 3, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Being renewed. So the idea of being new isn't something that's like we automatically have all this going on. It means I'm becoming more and more who God wants me to be. I'm being made new, that we are changing, we are growing, we're becoming more of the people that God wants us to be. So when we talk about being holy, that label, what we're called, what we are, means that we change who we are to match who God has made us to be. When we talk about being one body, it's a learning process. Because we learn how to love each other. We learn how to live with each other. We learn how to to be part of this group of people together. When we talk about being new, we know it's a process of becoming more and more who God wants us to be. But ultimately, I think in all of this, there's a reflection and a reminder that what what we're looking at is this is who we are. And so I want to become, become what God has made me. To show that he's made a difference in my life. In John, there's three places that we're told this shows who we are. In John chapter 13, 34 and 35, y'all are familiar with this one. Where Jesus talks about a new command that he gives. That we love one another as I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another says, if, we, if they take off the wrapper, what would what be expected to be seen is that we have love for each other because of who we are in Christ. That we follow him and it changes us. In chapter 15, he says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. says, you take off that wrapper and what you'll see is a life that is lived in a way that shows we belong to God. We are his. In chapter 17, he says, my prayer is... Is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did y'all catch that one? He says, our unity together shows the world who we are and shows that Jesus is who we claim Him to be. That we confess Him to be. That He is the Messiah. And we live for Him. And if we don't have these things, what it, what it says is the opposite. And we want to be who God says we are. And live that life in every way. When we are in Christ Jesus, we have become a different people. And we grow into him. And our lives reflect who he has made us become in Jesus. And maybe this morning that you need prayers to help you live who God has made you to become. And it may be that today you need to put on Christ. To become his and and become holy. To become righteous. To be added to that body in every way. And be buried with him in baptism to start that brand new life. If you need to respond, would you come now as we stand and sing